Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Wednesday, June the 28th, and welcome to our to our commentary. I want to begin by wishing a very happy number 20 to all of our friends over at the Babalu blog. Um, if you are interested in Cuban-American issues or Cuban issues of what's happening in the island, then I know you recognize the Babalu blog. It's been a source of Tremendous information for all of us. I've had the opportunity to post uh, myself on that blog several times, and it's always a lot of fun to, in the morning, check and see what uh, what they're doing over at the Babalu blog. So let me send a very special congratulations to Alberto de la Cruz, who's the managing director, and to Valentin Prieto, who actually started all of this uh, many years ago. So 20 years ago, 20 years ago, Babalu, came into existing, not existence. Now, why is 20 years a significant time frame? Well, not only is 20 years a long time, but also it was roughly 20 years ago that most of the blogs were started. I mean, if you check, for example, uh, with some of the popular blogs that you follow, they all came into existence uh, during the first, uh, during the George W. Bush, his first term, which would have been 2003, 2004. That's when I got involved in blogging in 2004. In fact, the very first post that I wrote on my own blog uh, was in October of 2004, and many other blogs that we follow started about that time. So the Babalu blog has not only made it for 20 years, but uh, it has actually survived a, a very important time for, for blogs uh, during, during those 20 years. So congratulations. I mean, they do a fantastic job over at the Babalu blog and putting it together. And again, if you're interested in Cuban issues, if you're interested in Cuban-American concerns, if you like to know what the heck's going on in the island, and those things are hard to find out because you know there, there's not always that much coverage uh, of Cuba in the regular news. But if you follow the Babalu blog, as I do every day, uh, you're, gonna, you're gonna be on top of what's happening uh, in Cuba, particularly the, the terrible things that are happening to the Cuban people uh, under this uh, corrupt and horrific uh, communist dictatorship. So again, happy number 20 to all our friends uh, over in Babalu. And by the way, thanks to some of you, because I know, as I said, I post uh, at Babalu from time to time. So thanks to all of you who send me comments as well when I post over there. There's a lot of interaction between the readers and the contributors to the Babalu blog. It's uh, it's a real pleasure. By the way, speaking of the Babalu blog, I have a post that will be coming up later today at the Babalu blog where I brought back three podcasts that I did with uh, Alberto de la Cruz, with Dr. Carlos Eide, and our friend uh, Humberto Fontoba, the author of, of many books, including the one about Che Guevara. And I have these uh, lined up You'll if you, if you go to the Babalu blog later today you'll be able to, to check that. Some of those interviews may bring back memories, but the one that I did with Humberto Fontoba goes back to 2011. And that, of course, was on the 50th anniversary of the Bay of Pigs. So that was an interesting uh, reflection that both he and I had of that very important event in, uh, in Cuban history, the Bay of Pigs of 1961. So again, I cannot say it enough. Happy birthday to our friends over 
at the Babalu blog. I have a post over at the American Thinker today, Wednesday morning, talking about what's happening in Mexico. You know, there's been a lot of speculation as to what exactly is the criminal uh, or what, how involved or how deeply involved are criminal organizations in Mexico. And there's a very interesting study that come, came out uh, basically highlighting the fact that according to this study, and it was done by a consultant firm that was able to have access to some pretty important documents, they estimate that something like 81% of the Mexican territory right now is under the control of criminal criminal organizations. Some people call them cartels, whatever you want to call them, but they're basically criminal organizations. And now, of course, when you you say 81%, that's Mexico is a big country, so it doesn't necessarily mean that huge chunks of the population are under uh, criminal control, but uh, significant numbers are. And this is a real problem, I believe, for the sovereignty of Mexico. And I hope that next year when they have a presidential election. I hope that this becomes a topic. Uh, I think the the Mexican people need to know what's going on with all the violence. I mean, Mexico has become a very deadly country to live in. And I talk a little bit about this in my blog, you know, things that are happening even right here in Texas that are related to all of that. So, you know, the Mexican people need to deal with this. And uh, I mean, the United States can do some things, of course, you know, we can close the border, we can go after the cartels, all that kinds of stuff that you've heard about before. But Mexico is going to have to deal with it as well. And it all starts with having candidates running for public office who realize what this violence, what this violence is doing to the Mexican nation, the number of people, the number of journalists who have been killed uh, doing their job, you know, reporting reporting the news. So it's a bad situation. And I hope that the the next president of Mexico, I don't think the current one is interested in fixing the problem, frankly. And I think it's, he's just basically, you know, he's kind of putting it under the rug, saying it's not an issue, but hopefully the next one uh, will have, uh, you know, will have the strength to to look at this uh, very significant issue. I've got a post uh, coming out on Thursday morning talking about the Biden administration and the transgender movement or transgender agenda. You know, I think it's obvious from the polling data that we're looking at that the American people are not in tune with the transgender agenda. There's a difference between being tolerant of sexual orientation. For example, myself, I don't care what your sexual orientation is. I I really don't care. It doesn't affect me one way or the other. But I do care if you're pushing a transgender agenda on children at schools. That bothers me, and I'm sure it uh, bothers a lot of parents as well. I also feel that the American people are making it very clear through all the polling data that they believe that there are two genders, male and female. Like huge majorities of Americans believe that. And yet the insistence uh, on part of these groups to push a agenda with our kids that somehow gender is something you can choose or gender is is something that, you know, a 10-year-old Tommy can all of a sudden one day say, I want to become Tammy, from Tommy to Tammy or whatever. That I think is very dangerous. And we're hurting our kids a lot with that agenda. And I think more and more parents are beginning to figure this out. And that's why there's a backlash. That's why you're seeing the backlash against the beer company. That's why you're seeing the backlash against the the retail company. And you're seeing it against other organizations that decide to go woke. Again, nobody cares about your sexual orientation. 
unless you want to go after our kids, and number two, unless you want to push it in my face. I don't need to know about your sexual orientation, but yet they keep pushing it in your face. Like if they want to go in your face, in your face, in your face, and I think a lot of Americans are saying, hey, enough is enough, you know. Uh, keep it keep it to yourself, but don't uh, bring it into my life, and especially television programming or even baseball games, what happened with the Dodgers, where they, you know, they invited these so-called sisters who are nothing but a bunch of men dressed up as women who are mocking the Catholic Church. Well, that's not good for our society to be mocking religion, and that's uh, unfortunately what's going on. A couple of other stories that I want to get to. The Hunter Biden story is something that I think is either going to explode or turn into nothing. But the more that I try to follow it, the more I see that there that there's something going on. And the big problem here, of course, is the attorney general. And what uh, place or what uh, did the attorney general do to limit the investigation? There are apparently some IRS whistleblowers, credible people, who are coming out saying that the attorney general stopped them from pursuing the investigation. I think these people need to be listened to. I think they need to be brought to Congress and they need to be questioned in Congress. I also think the attorney general has to go back to Congress and explain exactly what did he know and what exactly he was doing. I mean, there's a lot of things about this Trump, Trump this Hunter Biden story that just don't make any sense. And, and I think it's time to, to tighten this up and explain to the American people what happened. Look, if he didn't do anything wrong, if nothing happened, I accept that. But I need, I need to know, particularly in the context of what we've, we've seen over the last few years, where it sure looks like justice is only going in one direction. You know, justice only seems to go in one direction and not the other. And I think that's terrible, terrible for the country when people believe that that justice only goes in one direction. The other thing, too, that uh, came out is this leak about an audio tape of President Trump in which the allegation is that he was talking about, he was talking to some friends about, you know, this plan to invade Iran. Well, first of all, this leak is illegal. You're not supposed to be leaking information like this. Whoever did this had to be somebody close enough to the investigation to get their hands on material like this. So if I was a judge in this case, or if I was the president or his attorney, I would go before the judge and say, judge, this is not helping me. This is not fair on me for this kind of information to be leaking to the public. This is not fair on the defendant. I don't care who the defendant is. In this case, it's President Trump, but it could be you or me. This kind of leaking is, is simply illegal and it's not fair. So I think the judge needs to come out and come down very hard on, on Mr. Smith, the prosecutor, and say, if you keep this up, I, I'm just going to drop this case. Because I mean, it's not fair to be leaking information like this about President Trump in an audio tape, particularly completely out of context. We don't even know the context of, of this audio tape. We don't even know when it happened or how it happened. We don't even know if it's relevant to the investigation. So somebody's out there trying to hurt President Trump. That's all I can tell you. And, and, and I just don't think that's fair. I just don't believe that is, uh, that is fair. Well, again, happy number 20 to uh, the Babalu blog. And I hope you have a chance to go over there today and check it out and check out some of the anniversary stories that they're going to be publishing over there. A lot of them are a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun, because, you know, being connected to Babalu over the last 20 years has been a real pleasure 
for me and for a lot of other people as well. So happy number 20 to Babalug. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.